0: Hello and welcome to The Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk Advisory Board Chair L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerist.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Martin Jarvis, who is CEO and founder of Acquire. Hi, Martin. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi there, Elle. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me on. It's great to be here
1: i'm really looking forward to hearing about acquire now i'm just want to check did i get that right that you're founder or do you have a co-founder have i just overlooked somebody
2: well i i, I do we do have a co-founder uh <laughs> so and, and that's my friend paul mcmahon who we've been friends for a long time but so yeah he, he'll be a friend won't he <laughs> okay <laughs> I, <laughs> that's he, great <laughs>
1: Tell me about Acquire. This is very interesting. And I know you're an early stage startup, but I'm really fascinated by what you're building. So tell our audience a little bit about what Acquire is.
2: Okay. So um, Acquire, we are creating a a platform. And uh, the idea is it's a marketplace that vendors of high value sort of leisure assets can utilize uh, to use shared ownership essentially as a finance package. so, so the idea is, what would I like? I would like a uh, camper van. I think they're pretty, pretty cool and I can chuck my children in the back and disappear down the coast for a couple of days, but they cost 50,000 pounds and that's a lot of money for something you use a few times a year. However, if I found four other people who you know, want the same, roughly the same thing and live in roughly mm-hmm. the same place, we could share it and, uh, and then it becomes 10,000 pounds each and that's eminently affordable and I still get to use it for about two and a half months a year. So that's the, the premise of the business, really.
1: Fantastic, and I know you you sort of call yourself as a sort of marketplace for shared luxury assets, and we will get into a bit more about your your model shortly. But I just wanted to to bring up the fact that I, although you were at the Sharing Economy Global Summit, um, I was going to say last month. You know, it is last month now. Time has, has it is, flown yeah, by. We didn't soon. actually get <laughs> we didn't get a chance to to chat. But tell me, did you enjoy the summit?
2: yes no it was fantastic it's the first first sort of thing i've been to as as a founder and representing a choir and uh it was was a fantastic opportunity to sort of network and find people in similar situations and be able to um sort of immerse myself in it um so yeah that was a, a really fantastic experience
1: yeah. And actually, it was last year that at one of the sessions, uh, it was a guy called Eamon Galvin, who has a consultancy called No Carbon, which has been measuring the sharing economy. We got into a discussion at the end of one of the sessions last year about sharing economy and the luxury sector. So it's really interesting that this model has come through. So I'm, I'm interested to find out more about this um, and, and how it works in, in the luxury sector, because it it feels like this is, you know, a, a really important shift for um, the, the world of, of luxury assets and creating, you know, opportunities for these brands, the luxury brands to actually get involved in the sharing economy. So first of all, how did the idea come about?
2: So um, for my day job, currently, I'm a, uh, an airline pilot. As well, so this is with this is my exit strategy from uh, from my airline piloting, but on my journey to become an airline pilot, um, I, uh, during, to, to get my license, uh, you need to so you do your private pilot license, and then in order to enroll in your commercial pilot's license, you need one hundred and fifty hours of experience before before you can actually start the course, and most people will go to a school and would just rent rent an airplane, uh, like a, a small four seater little uh, bug smasher of an airplane. Uh, and, you know, pay three, £300 an hour uh, for, for the aircraft. But what I did is I found that you could buy shares in aircraft. And so in the sort of general aviation community, this, it's quite common to own aircraft this way because it's the only affordable way of enjoying your hobby. Um, so I bought a share, a the a one-tenth share in a Piper Arrow, uh, and it cost £6,500, I think. And then I went off, and because you own it, you're not paying a rental rate anymore. I was paying £80 an hour. So I saved like thirty thousand pounds or something ridiculous to you know get him one hundred fifty hours, um, and then at the end of it all, I sold my share and I got my six and a half thousand pounds back. And whilst I was doing it, I just c- couldn't believe that this is not an idea that is more prevalent because, as a whatever I was at the time, twenty eight year old, I was living a lifestyle way way beyond my capabilities and my financial means, but yet I was doing it. <laughs> So and that's yes. that's where the idea really revealed itself to me. Um, you
1: felt that it was a sort of way to kind of like unlock or democratize a lifestyle that you know at, at the moment or you know had been only accessible to to certain types of people with a certain type of income.
2: Yes exactly right and so and 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 you know to own an aircraft outright is an outrageous amount of money really and the maintenance costs and the running costs and all the things that go with it so I was really it was a way it's like a, a finance solution so it was, it was really leveraging me up much higher than i was and uh i think that, that's where the idea came from and then you start looking at it and you start trying to apply it you know i think a lot of people are in the same situation um you know who all aspire to lifestyles and things and they really are only available to sort of the elite or or, or the very wealthy and I, I don't think it has to be that way really um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the easiest thing is if you just share with one other person, everything becomes half price. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
2: So how did. The the
1: act- yeah. So the, you've mentioned a co-founder. How did the, the co-founder, how did the actual creation of a, of a choir come about? How did you take this idea and turn it into a, a viable business, um, you know, that you have now obviously got underway? And also, how did you find the time to do that when you were flying about the world? Yeah,
2: (laughs) well, uh, so a couple of the life of an airline pilot, it lends itself very well. So whilst we're flying the plane, obviously, we're we're flying the plane, but we do get a lot of downtime. So often I'm abroad, um, I I fly long haul. So when I'm away, I'm usually in a hotel with very good Wi-Fi and a laptop. And actually, it it sort of, it takes me away from my children, all the distractions, and it becomes a really good place to, to work on these things. So, so we get quite a lot of downtime in, in between the flying, um, mm-hmm. and the and the to the previous question of, of how we how we got started. So, I did this very similar business in a previous iteration uh, called Indulgen at the time, and this was a long time ago. This is pre sort of almost pre mobile phone really, <laughs> so it was a very long time ago. Um, and I did it with four other guys, and and none of us had any particular good experience in you know in, in doing the various things that we're doing. And uh we, we did we achieved some success with it, but it was just as everything was going onto mobile. So everything was kind of mobile friendly and app and everything we had was web based.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: and we knew I mean this was a, a rebuild. So the guys I was with we sort of dissolved the company and they didn't really have the appetite. But I've it's just been sitting in the back of my head for such a long time and um I, I just couldn't let it go really. <laughs> so did I you feel that
1: yeah. And did you feel that the technology in a way had sort of, you know, in the meantime, kind of become ready for you in that sense that, you know, things had, um, you know, things had developed and, you know, new technology was going to make this easier for you in, in the acquire stage?
2: Exactly. I mean, it's a it's a sort of blessing in disguise, really, because the technology is really what makes this idea work. And uh, it sort of does the best. It does the best of what I think technology can do which is all the organising and all the background stuff um where and then it allows you to to launch into the real world and do something fun in the real world so and and you know because of the technologies that the way we connect now and the, and i think people are much more confident meeting online so mm-hmm. I, I hope it's of its time now whereas before i think we were probably just a bit too early really
1: yeah um, do you remember way back when people would say oh you know i i met my husband or i met my boyfriend on a on on a website, on a dating website, and people would be like, "Oh my goodness me! There must be something weird about that." And now it's like, if you if you didn't, it would be odd. Um, so it it is that shift, isn't it? And I suppose it's the same as people, you know. Obviously, the big example is always Airbnb, and it's like, you know, the idea that you would rent out a, a room in your house to to a stranger was so alien, but um, you know. It, quite often these these apps and these platforms are actually you know doing the hard work of the the education piece and the and the disruption exactly. for for other ideas to then to then move in and and um you know to to a territory that that maybe people are more familiar with um, yeah, exactly. so and I think that
2: on, on that just if, if I might, it's really interesting because um because of those things I think there's a whole like gener- there's a generation Of people who would own something and the ownership was the thing, so they would, you know, they liked having the car on the driveway and tinkering, and that's part of the ownership. Whereas I think because of Airbnb and Uber and all these, I mean, there's loads of now, obviously, um, these these kind of platforms. But you know the experience has become the thing, and the ownership actually is a bit of a bit of a pain, really. And and people see, you know, I don't really want to clean it, and I don't really want to <laughs> maintain it or do any mm-hmm. of that stuff. I really just mm-hmm. want to go and enjoy it and experience it. And so I think mm-hmm. these you know generations coming through have have grown up with that. And and again, I th- yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. I think the time is right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's this, yeah, and it's access, and instead of ownership, and I certainly see it with my Gen Z stepdaughter who you know is quite minimal in her possessions and I suppose you know when you sort of grow up with your music on Spotify and your films on Netflix rather than you know the way that I grew up with the piles of CDs and the piles of you know I was going to say videos but maybe i'll pretend it's dvd um (laughs) 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 um, (laughs) yeah it it seemed that all this stuff was was so important to show that you know that you owned it but at the same time you know as soon as we could get rid of it and just put it all on the cloud um everyone was was racing to do that so maybe it's not as inbuilt uh, into us as as it might seem so and talk to me a little bit about actually the the platform itself and how it works so it's a a private sort of like a private members club mixed with a a social network is that a good definition
2: yeah i think so that's exactly right and and it's, it's what we want to create is a is a network of people who can collaborate together and achieve sort of the best of of life's experiences that's that's kind of how i see it and um so in, in generating that clubs so, my original experience of it was from the flying and when i uh, bought my share in the aircraft i remember i did sign some legal agreements but i remember just reading them over and it was a you know a couple of pages and i was no lawyer but there, it definitely wasn't worth reading really the paper it was written on as far as i could tell and um but the reason it worked is because in order to have your private pilot license you've you're a certain ilk so you, you've already gone through some kind of vetting process to uh, to be there and I guess that's why it works there's sort of trust implied in that system um, so what we, what I wanted to do is try and create that same that same experience um, so when people join um, the club we will we'll do some background checks and then we'll do a criminal record check we could even maybe do a credit a credit check on them and the idea is even though we've never met, we'd be happy to share with each other because we're in this sort of trusted environment of the club. Um, And so
1: That's amazing because, you know, that takes the sort of trust, you know, that we obviously are very interested in here at Marketplace Risk, the the trust element to a kind of next level. It's like that, you know, just simply by being part of it, you become a trustworthy person for other people on the platform to transact with. How is that going to scale?
2: Um, so uh, very handily at the, <laughs> at the summit, uh, it was sponsored by Verif and a number of others that, that that do all this, that can do all this work for us. So uh, as a consequence of that, I'm actually in touch with them now to see how they can help us to to scale that process of it, because you know these days the businesses will be entirely app app based, always going to be entirely app based. And so to do the onboarding is actually quite easy these days if you have the right technology with you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a picture and a picture of a license and a, that, that can show you are who you say you are. So you are a real person in the real world. And then uh, the, the credit checks and stuff are actually quite easy to do in the background um, afterwards. So that, that can scale. So the onboarding can actually scale with the app quite easily, I think.
1: Amazing. And people would think that that shout out to our sponsors was set up. It was so seamless, but <laughs> was... it was not, in fact. So not. thank was... you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let's talk a bit about the actual assets as well. So we, do, we you've talked about sort of high value luxury assets. Well, um, give me some examples. What could this include? How far could the scope of this go?
2: Well, the, I mean, the truth of it is, it, so... Um... Oh, we've had a few conversations with investors and sort of friendly investors through, through our network, really. Uh, and it was a, it was a fascinating um, chat with them because they sort of approach it and they, they digest it and dissect it in, in in very different ways. But in that process, everyone sort of goes through the same thing. They say, oh, OK, so, you you know, you can everything sort of becomes half price or left. You know, the more, more people you add, the cheaper the thing becomes or the more accessible. Let's, let's call it that. And uh, and he said, yeah, and and you can go, you can go like super high end to supercars and and you know million pound yachts and all sorts of stuff. But you can also go to the to the sort of camper van level. So it, it, you could, I mean, you can go to the, a jet ski, or you can it can apply anywhere. But the the big question is sort of where do you start? And because uh, we're right at the beginning of the journey, we've just got to try and find that sweet spot of where, where we want to start. So. Um, the things we're focusing on at the beginning are, are the marine world, because, again, it's, it's sort of understood in marine. Again, it's kind of done informally and people join together and own a yacht together or or, or a sailing dinghy or a, or a speedboat. So it's, it's kind of an easier market to break into. Uh, aviation, which is obviously what I know very well. And, uh, and then we're going to look at automotive. Um, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to give you another big shout out to the, <laughs> to the sharing economy summit, so, uh, the insurance aspect of that has been, has been a real, has been a real challenge. Um, but yeah, so, so the automotive world, and we're looking probably at the Aston Martin and the Ferraris and sort of that, that end to start with. Um, and property, uh, is the other one that we're looking into and, and property is the, the easiest and most complicated, I'd say <laughs> it right. doesn't move, but there's a lot that goes around it. So. <laughs>
1: Okay, so these are all large, physically large uh items. It, it what about um I'm thinking in terms of jewelry and art and, and things like this? Is are these being considered for the future? This is it what you've just told me about what you're concentrating on now at the beginning?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So at the beginning, because these are things that I think are aspirational and appeal to, to quite a wide audience. That's sort of why we're trying to start in those in those things, it, even just in, uh, in concept comprehension, because it's it's a new idea that people don't really know about that widely. Um, so so we've chosen things like that, but there are angles, and and there, I think there are other people also doing this already. You know, wine and watches, and like you say, all jewelry, uh, and there's there's a lot of sort of investment angle on, on a lot of these things as well because they they're you know you can join forces with other people and own a own a, um, own some art for example mm-hmm. and they're appreciating assets so that and there are people that fill that space but you know my ambition is once as we start to understand how it works because we're just launching so we've got a lot of the you know we've answered a lot of questions but no doubt we will generate lots of questions as we as we expand the idea Mm -hmm. and once we can understand the 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 difficulties with it and what people like and what people don't like then certainly we want to try and widen you know widen because the person who likes an Aston Martin will also like a posh watch or a or a diamond necklace or a what you know whatever the the cross-pollination between that in the club uh, I think is a it's fantastic i hope yes
1: yes exactly and you, you you're you it's a sort of lifestyle isn't it and these things all fit together just like yeah. you know just like my voxel sophia just doesn't really fit in with that at all oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you <laughs> I can imagine me doing the school run in an Aston Martin and getting. That's the only way to go, (laughs)
2: surely.
1: So, and and talk to me about some of the the challenges that you've had in in sort of persuading people about this, because there you you are a a disruptor and this is new. When you've been talking to people, uh, these early adopters that you want to get on board what sort of um questions have they had and and what sort of what's the education piece been like for you how have you had how have you been able to persuade people to to get involved in this
2: sure so it's a, um it's a the business is double sided in that we've got one side where we're trying to find um people to come in and share assets but we have also trying to incentivize the brands to come on board with us as well so we've got both both sides to persuade and, and educate really um, and as far as educating so the membership the people that are coming every conversation follows a very similar you know you, you explain the concept of with one other person it's half price and the more you add the cheaper it becomes and that's quite an easy leap for people to, to understand mm-hmm and then that sort of seems to simmer for a little while and then they come back and they go well what if someone crashes it or what Mm -hmm. if one of the other members is troublesome in some way or what if and then all the what if questions start to come out afterwards um and the the answer to most of those questions of course is you know what would you do if you own the whole thing yourself if you crash it your claim of insurance or if it's you know if one of the other members well that's a bit more bespoke but we would have legal agreements to make sure that everyone has to act in act in a certain way and sort of bad actors are removed um and, and so it, it sort of follows that process and then yeah and then and then it becomes uh, a big explosion it's like well i can i can do this with loads of things mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the they've got over that exactly yeah, yeah. And, and it's the understanding of those those initial questions but the insurance and again that that's been the big one and uh, it was so useful at the um Sherry economy the, the, the global summit because uh there was a lot there was ibot was there and and um really fascinating to understand both sides of the argument with with them because mm-hmm. you know if it's new it has no history therefore how do you risk it and and it was anyway that was extremely useful well, um, I'm glad yeah, that was I was yeah, really fantastic. And so that was me. I was basically following the insurance all the way around because that's, oh, that's why I didn't
1: sense. that's why I didn't see you then. There <laughs> you you go, with yeah. the eye. It's interesting actually when people talk about risk and uh, on platforms and, and trust and safety, they quite often envisage situations that would just generally happen in real life, but almost like give them kind of extra focus it's that kind of what if but you're like well, what if that happened anyway or what if that <laughs> happened you know exactly. so I, I, I do think it's interesting the way that people could or, or always sort of apply lots of worst case scenarios to a platform that you could apply to any other area of your life but they, they're sort of magnified because i, sure. I suppose yeah. it's just about working out whose fault something is now martin I, i'm going to put you on the spot slightly here because um so apologies but it's quite mm-hmm. interesting because when people think about the sharing economy there are lots of benefits uh community and um you know democratization which i think is was something you've very much uh, you know' explained here that you're able to access something you maybe wouldn't need to access. But one of the benefits of the sharing economy that we talk about a lot is the sustainability benefit. Um, and that's about having multiple people own something so that not man, so many of that item need to be produced or or making use of, of underused assets. Now, we've started off the conversation talking about aviation. And obviously, when it comes to carbon, that's not such a great thing. Um, how do you talk about and explain any sustainability? benefits in acquire or do you just not or are there any or you know talk to me about that
2: no i think i think that well i hope that they are it's, it, again one of one of the real motivators to to do it because um so there's there's the, the, the angles that i would mentioned briefly about a brand and brands getting on board and of course brands love the idea so we've got a lot of good brands and i should probably keep them under wraps for now but that they mm-hmm. um they all engage with this fantastic because you know the, the pictures. How many people came for a test drive and didn't purchase, and they say, "Well, this many because they couldn't quite get off the fence." Or you know, so, so and it's usually a very small amount that actually do go and purchase. But this is a way for them to reapproach them. But it means that one car now is is being sold to five people, and it's preventing this huge amount of underutilized underutilized assets. Um. So that, that's one angle from the brand, but the, the other angle is there are already assets available. So um, again, when I went out for investment, one of the stories that really captured um, the investor's imagination is the sort of the, the Dave has a boat. Dave has a boat. Um, Dave's boat's costing quite a lot of money and Dave isn't using it very much and his family are getting or questioning the value of it. Dave mm-hmm. could sell four shares in his boat so he can realize four fifths of the equity himself. His costs are now one fifth of what they were, and he probably, you know, will still use it as much as he did when he owned the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is now we're sort of sweeping up latent assets that are, you know, if you go to any marina <laughs> anywhere in the world, you will see it's full of boats not being used, <laughs> which yeah. is which is terrible. It's very, you know, incredibly yeah. wasteful. Yeah, yeah, and um, I
1: think it, it, what's interesting here is that people might think, well, okay. Yeah, I kind of get what you're saying, but actually, by using these things—these boats or um, cars—surely you you're using fuel. You're you know doing you know you you're still sort of costing the planet by using them. But I recently discovered and um, small. Book plug here i did discover this while i was researching my book that the actual main carbon footprint of something like a boat or a car is actually during the production of it and quite often they don't even come close to having the same carbon footprint during their lifetime of use to I what was see, um, yes um so by you getting more people to use them rather than getting them to purchase their own ones new, even if they're using them and you know, emissions and all the other things and the fuel, it still doesn't come close to them actually buying them. So, I think that's really interesting. Maybe something you could work into I, I, branding you, at some point. If you don't, mind, I'll get will, back uh, to you about yeah, that. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll
2: take that and run with that if that's all right. Thanks, for... <laughs> but it's great to hear. But I think that the, the problem. Those the other problems of running things. uh, Obviously, being uh, as an airline pilot, this sort of weighs quite heavy on. uh, Because my carbon footprint is not worth. (laughs) I mean, it's not mine personally, but (laughs) we (laughs) use an awful lot of fuel in aeroplanes, and it does make you make you think. And uh, but the 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 future of the running things that I believe that is the change that's coming, and be it electric. So a lot more cars are now electric, and uh, and you know, the, the more of that that's shared, the better, you know. Yeah. Um And I think aviation is going down sustainable fuel. So that's the, that's what is, is my company. Is, yeah. Is being yeah. The biggest. yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's absolutely right. All, all that stuff can be written out. But the thing that you can't get rid of is the, the sort of waste of creation. And uh, mm-hmm. the only way to do that is to por- portion it up. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it, no, it,
2: that's it. it's not only, it's the thing is it lends itself so well because I, sorry, I'm very, you've got me now on my soapbox there but the, the the um it lends itself so well because this can work at every level of wealth. so you know it can be a lawnmower it could be a yeah <laughs>
1: it, it, certainly it could be any item and um yeah tom um from rent my who is also at the the summit was um you know is particularly passionate about these you know these small items the ones that we might keep in our homes and you know getting this multiple use out of things so that we don't have this sort of mass production of items that just end up in in cupboards martin it's been such a pleasure chatting to you and i've just checked in on on the time there and we are um we are out of time but i've really enjoyed this conversation and i'm so glad that we've had the chance to connect you to the marketplace risk community and i'm also so really glad that you enjoyed the summit uh, as well so we look forward to to hearing about how a choir grows and certainly stay in touch and and we look forward to having you at future events
2: well fantastic and thank you for for running the events because that, that was excellent I'll certainly be back and it's been great to connect and, and be able to chat about it so thank you very much for having me on that's been brilliant
0: Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.